Good morning. Uh, good afternoon, I should say. It's uh, been over a month. I had this plan of doing this podcast and getting one, two, three episodes out a month. But then uh, being a consultant, uh, client work comes quickly and uh, sometimes intensely. So I apologize. There are a number of you that have been listening to actually this podcast. I started it out and there were I've got four or five episodes now. Um, but uh, started hearing on Twitter and some emails wanting to know when another one would be out. So I appreciate the feedback. I appreciate people listening and getting back with me and uh, being engaged with what I'm trying to do here. This is, uh, I call this a podcast out from the cube. And people have been sending me messages about that, about what that means, why I came up with that name. And I've talked with people over coffee about the podcast and I'm passionate about it, even though I've only done a few times. Um, but I wanted to get back into a rhythm with it and expect this week there to be, you know, maybe three, uh, counting this one, maybe two, three uh, uh, episodes, I guess, episodes for this podcast. But I talked with some people, a um, few things on my mind this morning. So it's always kind of one of those things. What am I reading? Who am I talking with? Uh, what am I listening to? So I do spend a fair amount of time uh, and I have a tendency to kind of interrupt myself and stop thoughts, uh, stop thoughts quickly. But um uh, was visiting with some people, one really about the name of the podcast, Out From The Cube. Um, and granted, can always be changed, rebranded, and uh, if something better comes along. But I came up with Out From The Cube simply because I talked to a number of people that are just kind of burnt out on this. Now, I'm in the technical space and uh, write software for a living, and I've done that for the about, uh, past 10 years. Prior to that, my 10 years in software, I was a college basketball coach, so I spent 10 or so years. And if you want to know more about my background, you can go back to the first episode and just kind of listen to what uh, how I kind of set the, the podcast up. But as I you know get to, you know, I love to network. I love to go to events. I love to uh, visit and meet new people. And, and I've in the technical space, we'd sit around, you know, if you go into a, if you go into an IT shop at a place and I'm in St. Louis and you go down into St. Louis or Clayton or Chesterfield and you go to some of these places and you walk into the IT shop or the IT part of this company, you are going to see cubicles everywhere. Uh, typically, not always, but typically you're going to see these cubicles and that's where we, that's where we work. And, uh, we come in at seven, eight, nine in the morning, we put our backpacks down, we grab our laptops and uh, or we sign into these desktops and we write code for a living and we sit there for eight, 10 hours a day. And sometimes for these people that really geek out on technology and writing code, they come home and sit on the couch. They pull their laptops out and they just write code. But I've talked to people as I've been in this industry now, nine or 10 years, uh, that uh, not that they're burnt out, they still love, but they want to know what else is out there. What, uh, what else can I do? How can I be more involved? And uh, what are some of, uh, you know, there's uh, these conferences that are um, all over the nation. Uh, technically, you know, they have these soft skill, uh, soft skill segments of these conferences where you can learn about, you know, how to sharpen your saw with some of these soft skills. But I just kind of thought about that a little bit, like we got to get out of this cubicle. We got to just quit checking in and checking out and taking our time card and putting eight hours in. There's more to this than just sitting and writing code. But like I have a very good friend that I worked with for years at a company here in St. Louis, and he moved up the line very uh, quite quickly and um, became into the management space and started working with teams and started running, uh, started running teams and was always with business people and setting requirements and building products. And I remember having drinks with him one night and he 
he essentially just kind of looked at me and says, man, I wish I could just write code. I wish I could just sit and write code and not, not be doing what I'm doing. So some people that's for, you know, but there's this idea of, the, and getting out of the cubicle doesn't necessarily mean just kind of getting out uh, and not writing code if you're in the technical space. That's not necessarily what it means. I would I would say this: find what you're passionate about, um, but uh, and do that and follow that road and and be passionate about. It. If it's writing code or if it's trying to move up and be more of a business or a BA or doing different things with requirements or product owner, whatever it might be. And granted, again, I'm in the the technical world, um, so those are you know, some of those phrases. But one, be passionate about it. Um, but I was flipping through. So that's kind of the background. And, and we've got to get, you know, me personally, I think about myself, like I want to get, I, I need to be doing things on a daily, weekly, quarterly, yearly basis to, to become better at what I'm doing, become better at what I'm more passionate about, be more driven, uh, ask more questions, get into more groups, um, find more mentors, read more books, like all those sorts of things. I've got to get out of the cube. You know, it's that mindset of there's more. Uh, and we can have more and we can achieve more and we can pro uh, provide more and we can contribute more like all that stuff can happen. I'm I'm really into that. And I work with a lot of young teams, uh, young teams being athletic teams with with kids. Um, and when I work with these kids, I'm, you know, uh, I'm 45 now. And somewhere along the lines, you know, we started believing people that, you know, uh, kind of put you in silos and you're this. This is what you do and this is what you do well. And you can only do that. And I work with these kids and I'm like you can do anything. Um, and so even though, uh, you know, I'm 45, uh, there's still a lot of time for me to get better at what I'm doing and better ways for me to contribute to my company and uh, better ways to contribute to the teams that I'm on. So that, that is the idea. And it's uh, out from the cube is something that I'm, uh, the phrase uh, is something I'm really passionate about, actually, and that uh, of, of waking up every day and kind of sharpening the saw. When I was coaching, um, coaches have phrases for everything that uh, quickly snap you back into uh, kind of a focus or a mindset or a motivation, a strategy, like quick phrases. I was writing a blog this morning where, you know, basketball coaches use a phrase called time and score, you know, and that's a big phrase in basketball and football. The big phrase on a very high level is down in distance. Right. And, uh, you know, we used to use a phrase in coaching called pound the rock. Right. You, you, you swing the hammer every single day on this big rock and it's not going to break today and it may not break tomorrow and it may not break this week. But I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to swing the hammer. I'm going to pound the rock every day because I know one day that rock's going to split. And it's not that swing that broke the rock. It's not that swing. It was probably 10,000 swings before that. That, that broke that rock. So we used to always have this phrase of pounding the rock and grinding it out and doing things like that. So out from the cube is kind of along those lines. It snaps me back into uh, what my motivations are and um, what my strategy might be for this year, this quarter, uh, and how I can get better. So uh, people have asked me about that, like, what's that mean? And where'd you come up with it? I didn't necessarily come up with it. Uh, I, I came up with it, but it's not necessarily something I hung my hat on. And and uh, a phrase that I talked about or put on T-shirts or got embroidered hats or anything. It was just something that kind of popped into my head, just all these cubicles and just people thinking they're just locked into that cubicle. And that's where they go. You're spending eight to 10 hours a day at your place of employment. And there's more to it than just sitting in a cubicle. There's more that we can accomplish, more we can do. And uh, hopefully this podcast is about that. And hopefully there's be things that will say that can get you uh, 
out of your comfort zone, um, and which would be a whole nother podcast in and of itself is just to get out of our, and how hard that is, how hard that is for me on a daily basis, because, uh, I have two young boys that do a lot of basketball and I tell my, we have a dry erase board in the garage and on that dry erase board, I have a phrase written down that says the improvement lies in the pain. Um, now that might not be the best uh, phrase for nine, 10 year old basketball players, but I want them to know that, that the improvement lies, lie, lies in the work. The improvement lies in the, uh, being out of your comfort zone. The improvement lies in my shoulder is getting sore because I'm shooting too many shots. Like that's when you hit that threshold, that's where the improvement lies. So that's the same thing about being out from the cube. Uh, just another phrase that, that I kind of like. Um, but this weekend, to, to the point of this, of, of giving you something that can get you out of the cube today, get your mindset right, uh, and get you thinking about things, uh, about your about maybe your career, but your teams. The, the thing I am most passionate about and what I geek out on the most in terms of my profession, without question, are teams, team dynamics, team leadership, team communication. Uh, that's a whole lot of things, but that is really how teams, how successful, highly functional teams work. What do they do? How are they different? Um, and I've got a I've got a basement filled um, still to this day. I'm 10 years removed from coaching college basketball, but even to this day, I've got a room in my basement that is filled with uh, notebooks from clinics. Uh, it's filled with books on strategy, basketball strategy, and it's filled with leadership, motivation, th- books along those lines and, and videotapes and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I was flipping through some of that this weekend and just drinking coffee, going through some basketball notes. Um, and there, there's a coaching friend of mine who has since passed. He was a mentor of mine and uh, was very kind to me. His name was Don Meyer. Um, if you are in basketball coaching, you know, most everybody knows who Don Meyer is. And Don Meyer was, uh, was a legend in the basketball community. Um, and he, he was very, uh, he was very good with teams, uh, philosophy, strategy, uh, taking care of yourself, how to build teams, how to challenge teams. It, he, I couldn't speak more highly of him. And I have friends. I knew him a little bit. Um, I had friends that actually worked for him and uh, played for him. And it was just unbelievable. Uh, but I was flipping. I was fortunate that I was able to uh, attend many of his clinics. And I was fortunate that I got to know him pretty well in that, you know, we when he was in town, we would go have lunch and dinner and he'd give clinics at the college I coached at. So I was very fortunate with that. But as I was flipping through his notes, there's two things I want to bring up that coach Meyer said, and I think it's relevant to our teams. First, before I get into the two items, everybody listening to this is on a team. You are, you are on a team. I've also uh, had the discussions this weekend about how hard it is sometimes for people in the IT industry to understand they are on a team. And they have a hard time understanding what a team looks like. Um, I use the phrase with my kids and uh, my two boys, and I use the phrase when I work with businesses and when I work with uh, teams, athletic teams or business teams. And the phrase is, what does winning look like? What does winning look like? I work with my kids, my kids meaning my, my, my two sons, because I want them to understand what, what winning take, what it, winning looks like, how hard it is to achieve it. And the investment that is involved in 
in winning. Now, winning could be different things. Yes, in basketball, it's a scoreboard, but winning in life, winning uh, in business, winning in the classroom, winning you know, uh, socially, all that sort of stuff. Like, What's that look like? Um, but all of us are on a team. Um, even if you're in the IT industry, uh, I, I again, I, I the circle back, I said this to somebody this weekend when we were talking about some of these things. IT people may not be used to being on teams. People that are, uh, you know, in the IT industry grew up probably writing code, uh, working on computers, taking computers apart, doing all sorts of other things, maybe then playing sports. And that's okay. My brother is, uh, is a CTO here in St. Louis. Uh, he did not grow up playing sports. My brother grew up being a geek. He grew up working on computers, taking computers apart. Um, he had a, the old Commodore 64, and he—that's what he did. So I don't. It, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard for IT people to understand how team dynamics work, uh, what the expectations are, what it's like to work with other people, how you're supposed to communicate. Um, I had a, a, a friend here in town that I worked with. And when I was with him and he was a computer geek, when I use that as a term of endearment, I don't mean to uh, disparage anybody by using the word geek, but this guy was a geek. And we went out to lunch one day and he, he told me this is uh, this is verbatim. He said, George, I can't talk to people like you can. I can talk to a computer because when I tell it to do something, it does it. And people don't. And that's pretty much verbatim what he said. And I have found that's that's. I'm not going to say it's normal, but that's you get a lot of that across the IT industry. And so there's this idea of being on a team. And, and I love the team dynamics athletically. And I love team dynamics uh, professionally, especially in the IT industry, because there's there because you can make an impact. You can change the dials in terms of mindset and focus and collaboration and communication and expectation and some of these things and really uh, develop incredible teams that uh, become high-functioning teams where we're not just sitting in a cubicle and we're not just grinding it out in terms of just punching in, punching out, and going home and writing Minecraft on the couch, right? We're just not doing those things. Um, so I, so to circle back to the two things I was reading this weekend from Coach Meyer, uh, and I hope this, this, this is relevant to you. It should be relevant to you because I thought about it and I thought about my team. And I thought about the team that I have at Polaris, uh, uh, Polaris Solutions, a, a, a consulting company here in St. Louis. And I thought about each member of our team when I thought about these two, uh, these two phrases. The first phrase, what would the team be like if everybody had my attitude? Now, that's from Coach Meyer. What would the team be like if everybody had my attitude? So you can see that is a perfect question to ask in an athletic arena, right? Um, you know, what would the team be like if, you know, the best player never, you know, was always late getting in, uh, didn't stay late for practice, uh, always wanted his shots, always uh, never went to class. What if it was like always about me? What if he, when he received instruction, always rolled his eyes or threw his hands down or was talking in the back of the huddle when any of those things, or what if you were, you know, the player that's first there, always in line and yes, sir, no, sir type attitude. And, you know, working in the community, helping little kids, uh, working summer camps, you know, straight A student. So those are the things that when I, when I work with athletic teams, 
this is a question we typically ask like kind of on day one of team building, team dynamics. What would that look like? And then think about somebody else on the team and without saying names, obviously. What would the team be like if it were, if think of the worst player on your team in terms of attitude and buy-in and acceptance and work ethic. What would your team be like if everybody had that attitude? So I think about that. So I'm a, I, I phrase it uh, the same, but I, I'm going to add on to this phrase from Coach Meyer. What would the team be like if everybody had your attitude and or your work ethic? Okay, two things, right? Now, work ethic, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, I'm up at five and I'm answering emails at six and I'm in the office at 7.30, and I'm leaving at 6.30, I'm having dinner with the family, and I'm online at 9, and I'm cashing in at 12. Like, I'm not necessarily talking about that level of work ethic. I'm just talking about being present, being focused, getting what is done, need that needs to be done, focus, like all these different things that we'll get into at another time, but that sort of mindset. So think about that, and, uh, and I'm going to ask you to do that. Like, right now, like, think about yourself. What would the team be like, right? Because I could go down our team. I'd be like, man, if our team was like that guy or that guy or that guy, like if everybody was like that guy, man, that would, we would have the most incredible team ever. Now I will say this, we're fortunate where I work that uh, the, uh, we have such a vetting process in terms of who we hire and our retention is really high and how we treat our employees and the work that we do and the value that we provide to our clients. Not only that, but also the value that we provide to one another is, is better than any shop, any place I've been around. So you, you don't really get into our place and stay for a long amount of time uh, without being one of those guys that, hey, I wish I had that guy attitude. Like every, we're all grinders, right? We, we're all kind of getting after it. Um, so I say that, uh, but think about your company. I've, we, I am a consultant. I go around to other companies and I work with teams. I work with workflow. I work with process. I work with agile principles and practices. And I work with sometimes executives and things of that nature to try to streamline business and things, things like that. But I do sit in the shadows sometimes and I just watch how this team works. And I, and I sit there and I'll drive home and I'm like, man, if everybody on the team was like that guy, that gal, man, that team, would they could just shift on an axis, right? They could just shift and be the most dynamic team that I've ever seen. So I encourage you. Now, then I would think about, you know, uh, maybe I've already said this, but think about yourself, you know, and, and, and what is hard about the, this question really boils down to if you can put your ego aside. And if you can really be transparent with yourself and really challenge yourself to get better, because I can do it myself. I won't go into all everything that I feel I can do better, but I can do a million things better with my with with where I work and uh, the clients that I have and the teams that I'm on. Um, there are there are other people that I would look to first to try to mimic their uh, work ethic and their attitude more so than I would mine. So that's but if you can put that aside. Or now think about the best person on your team in terms of attitude and work ethic. Man, what would it be? What would how how good would your team be if everybody had that? You know, what would your team look like? Now think about maybe the 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 person with the worst attitude, uh, the person that really doesn't care about the team, cares about himself, or maybe the person that really doesn't who doesn't really care about your sprint. I've been on teams where like, man, you know what? I'm supposed to be doing this much work and this is our sprint and this is what we're responsible for. And 
man, it didn't get done this week. Oh, well, let's just roll, th- you know, roll things over. Uh, I, you know, I can go sit and do X, Y, and Z and not get things done. Um, you know, I've been on teams like that and that has been frustrating. Um, what would the team be like if everybody, not just one guy, what if you had nine guys on your team? What if you had seven or eight like that? How long would you be on that team? How long could you withstand that? How long before you end up being like them? So I wasn't planning on telling this story, but since it's a podcast and this is free, I told this story. I saw this on, I probably saw it on Facebook, not on Facebook anymore, but at one point I was on Facebook and I saw this on Facebook and it is, and I told it to a group of kids that I was working on team stuff with. And I actually love this story. Love it. There was a waiting room, a doctor's waiting room with say 10 to 15 people in this waiting room. They were all in on the gag. They were all in on the gag except for one lady. One lady didn't know what was going on. She walks in. She sits down at the only open seat. It's a waiting room. Every two minutes, a buzzer went off. Beep. Buzzer went off. Right after that buzzer went off, the 10 to 15, we'll just call it 15 people, 15 people all stood up and then sat down. Two minutes later, beep, 15 people stand up, sit down. And I'm telling the story to these kids and I'm going over and over. Two minutes, beep, two minutes, beep. Everybody stands up, sits down, stands up, sits down. Okay. After 10 minutes of this, beep, what's the lady do that doesn't know what's going on? She stands up and sits down. She doesn't even know why. Everybody else is doing it. She's watched this go on and you can see her face. She smiled a little bit. She chuckled a little bit as this started going. She had no idea what was going on. Beep, stand up, sit down. Now all of a sudden she's doing it, okay? Slowly, people start going into the doctor's office one by one, 15, 14, 13. But every two minutes, there's a beep. So now they're down to like five people in the waiting room. Nobody's coming in. People are only leaving. Beep. Five people stand up. The lady's part of it. Sits down. Stand up. Sit down. More people are dragged into the doctor's office. Now it's just her and another guy. Continues to beep. Stand up. Sit down. Stand up. Sit down. Then they pull the guy in. So now she's in the waiting room by herself. Beep. She stands up and sits down and she doesn't even know why. Now she's out there for five minutes by herself and every minute or two that buzzer goes off and she stands up and sits down. Now that story just popped into my head because I, we start, I started thinking about, you know, the person with the worst attitude. What if you had five of those? What if you had six of those? What if you had two of those? And then slowly people start just kind of conforming to that. And now all of a sudden you've got this dysfunctioning team and it's just easy to kind of go with the flow. It takes somebody special to sit there. What if that lady had just sat there and said, this is ridiculous. I'm not standing up and sitting down. And then now everybody's gone. Why am I doing this? Like, I know that I know better than this. I should be doing better than this. I shouldn't just be conforming for no reason. Like I know who I am and what's acceptable to me and all that sort of stuff. So maybe kind of a silly story. Coach Majerus, Rick Majerus is a legendary coach that's also since passed. And he was a basketball coach at the University of Utah and uh, um, 
and uh, St. Louis University. Um, but he said something at a clinic that really resonated with me. Coaching is this. You're going to have five people that love you, five people that hate you in terms of basketball. Five that love you, five that hate you. So a team of 15, coaching is getting those other five guys to hang out with the five guys that love you. That's coaching, right? You're, there's going to be people that don't work hard, that, that are, have bad attitudes, that aren't buying in, that don't care about the team, that are going to make excuses, that are going to blame other people. There are those people. There's going to be people on the fence. There's going to be, but what are, what are you buying it? Like, can we get those guys to hang out with these guys that do buy in, that are working hard, that do everything you say, that deliver what's expected of them, that are great at collaborating and improvement and creating a culture that you want? Are those going to be like, get those people to hang out with those other people? Because you are going to have knuckleheads. You are going to have knuckleheads. So long stories, uh, but really centered around that whole belief of what would the team look like? How would this team function if they had my attitude? How would this team function if we had his attitude, his great attitude, her great attitude? How would this team function if we had that, if we all behaved, conformed to the way that guy runs things? You know, so I'm, again, I'm just bringing things up so you consider things and think about things. And I circle back around to say, everybody is on a team. There's not one person that here that is listening to this that is not part of a team. And you've got to understand that. Um, so the other thing centered around teams, and these are Coach Meyer things. And if anybody's listening that is a coach, um, and I know coaches do listen to this, um, and I appreciate that. Um, you all know Coach Meyer. If you're a basketball guy, if you are a basketball guy and you don't know who Coach Meyer is, go to his website, do a search on Don Meyer and just start reading his stuff. It's phenomenal. He impacted a lot of coaches, not in X's and O's. He impacted, uh, he impacted coaches by that, you know, how to coach, how to lead, how to motivate, how to inspire, uh, how to transform teams, people, assistants, family members, phenomenal, phenomenal person to research, uh, out there. Um, but another thing that Coach Meyer said all the time was if you were, and he would do this on his clinic talks, he would draw a circle and he would put, put you like at the top of the circle. He'd put an X there. Or he'd write a name there. So he'd write George at the top of the circle. Then he'd say, hey, that's your foxhole. This is your foxhole is this circle. You got somebody to the right of you and, and to the left of you. And we all know what a foxhole is in terms of, of, of war and being in a foxhole with people and trying to fight and battle your way out, right? But his point was this. In terms of teams, who has your back? If you think about your team, you think about, and I can think about our team. There's 15 of us uh, here in St. Louis with our company. Who would I want on my back? Who's the teammate that we have? And I do love thinking about, listen, we're, 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 listen, we are in a, a, a business world. We are in an entrepreneur world. We're in a professional world. We are 40, 30, 40 year old, 50 year old, uh, professionals. Um, but I don't understand why we can't like, I love the whole, uh, metaphor of teams and, and athletic teams and, and military teams. I love it. I, and I don't buy this, uh, my belief, you can totally disagree with me, but my belief is, is I love those metaphors. I think it's relevant. Um, I like thinking about, um, our company as a team, uh, that trying to accomplish a goal or an outcome or a tasks 
or, or, or a game winning, what's winning look like for our company, uh, things of that nature. Like what's the winning attitude? What's the winning effort? What's the winning, uh, how do winning teams uh, connect and communicate and collaborate and, uh, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, this is, you could sit there on a uh, college athletic team and draw the foxhole test and say, Hey, this is George up at the front. George, who do you want on your back? Like, who do you want protecting the areas you can't see? Like, who is that guy? And the reason why this is valuable in terms of your team, think about your teams. Think about them putting somebody else up there. Okay? If they put the name Mike up there, and Mike were doing the foxhole test, is Mike going to put George behind him? Is he going to write my name? Well, without question, I, I put George here. Like George will always have my back. He'll always, I can always go to him for advice and feedback and he can always listen to me. And if I have to bounce something off him in terms of a client and if it's nine o'clock at night and I'm struggling with something or whatever it might be, right? Or is that guy care about the team? Like, is George going to be the name? Like, hey, he's always thinking about the team, the company, the project, the, the client, uh, that, you know, the other employees at the company, like that guy, that's the guy I want there, right? And I know it's kind of a, a uh, different analogy, um, but it's called the foxhole test. So think about like each of you, if you're driving, if you're listening, if you're in the office, think about your company. Think about your team. Who would you put there? So I would say this. He, what Coach Meyer used to do is he would put a point total for that foxhole. He put somebody on your right, somebody on your left, and somebody behind on your back. And he would say, hey, if you're on my right or left, that's worth a point. And if you're uh, behind me on my back, that's worth two. And then he would quiz the team. And he would have this total now. He would have, and you wouldn't have to put your name on the foxhole test. You would just have to put the names of the people to the left of you, to the right of you, and behind you. Who's protecting your back? And he would add all that up. And what about the guy that's your best player? That may not have the best attitude got like zero points, right? Or what about that guy that, you know, uh, is your 12th man, never plays, but is there early every day and is always rebounding for people? What if he's that guy? What if, We've got people like that are brand new to our company. They're early every day, reading books, staying up late, doing plural site videos, asking questions, leading retrospectives and leading, you know, our scrum standups and are engaged with clients and are knocking things out and are always asking why, how, what can I do to contribute more value more? Man, those are those are the people that you want on your back. Those are the people that get to. Um, so think about that. So my thing is this. Hey, if you were to pull, pull, up, pull my team, I'm not, I can't say for certain I'd be on anybody's foxhole test. Right? And that's okay. That's where I'm. It's, it's okay. Like I, some of this stuff I have no ego with. Right? So I can do a better job with that stuff. But I ask you to think where you would land. And then I ask you to think about who you would have on your backside. And then I would also encourage you to think about that uh, in terms of team development. So you're, so here are the two things. I've gone 30 minutes. I thought this would be a 15-minute uh, podcast. But 50, uh, 30 minutes in, there are two things I want you to think about. Uh, you, a few things, not two, a few things. One, you're all on a team. Everybody that's listening to this is on a team. If I have a buddy that coaches up at a college up in Chicago, he listens to this podcast. He's on a team. He's the basketball coach, but he's part of an athletic department. The athletic department is part of a university, 
right? So there's, and then and there's academics involved with that. Like he's a part of a team. He may think that, Hey, I'm just running my team, but he's a part of that team. He's actually the leader of that team. So he's got all these people he's leading, right? What would, what would the attitude of the team be if he had a, if, if he had the bad attitude or he has the great attitude, or if he has a servant's heart and he's leading a certain way and that trickles down to all his people, or what if he was leading the entire athletic department a certain way? Like you're that way. If you're the CEO of a company, you are on a team. So that's the first takeaway. If UIT people who had, didn't grow up playing T-ball and flag football and pick up basketball and didn't play any high school sports, that's fine. That's okay. I get it. My brother didn't. But, you'd, but you have to understand that sometimes it's hard to, to really understand that you are on a team. And there are team skills that need to be thought of and the saw needs to be sharpened with some of that stuff. So one, you're a part of a team. Two, what would that team look like if everybody had your attitude? And I would say this, team attitude should start and end with service. Now I could go through like my top 10 things about how to build dynamic teams. Um, but I would say this, man, if everybody had the heart of a, of a servant leader and that was your team, what if that were like my attitude, man, what would the team be like? Or what if that were like Mike, right? We do have a guy named Mike on our team. What if, and Mike was just like this great leader, a servant leader, like always asking to provide help and uh, educate people and to take people out to lunch, like that. What would the team look like if everybody had that attitude? What if everybody was a servant to one another and winning was part, you know, winning was a byproduct of that, right? That That's team stuff. It's, I know this is kind of, um, you know, uncomfortable, hokey stuff. And, uh, you know, as somebody once said, Hey, some of this stuff's just a lot of fluff. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, I, I will always consider myself a coach. Um, I just happen to be a coach now in the, uh, in the professional world, but I think it all starts in this. So one, you're convince yourself, demand of yourself that you have the mindset that you are on a team. You will always be on a team that you need to understand how teams work and how to communicate and collaborate and be authentic and all this, all these kind of words as part of a team Two, what would the team look like if everybody had my attitude? What would the team look like if they had his attitude or her attitude? What would the team look like if the worst, worst attitude, worst work ethic, worst blame, worst uh, finger pointing, what if everybody had that attitude? How good could we be? And then we, we can talk at later podcasts on how to change that mindset and how to change those dials if that is in fact happening. And the third thing to consider with your team is that foxhole test. Who's behind you? Who has your back? You know, there's also a thing for CEOs and people in leadership positions that are listening to this podcast. Somebody said this to me. Uh, and it was when I was coaching and I was a head coach at a small university and they said this and it resonated with me. And it was actually coach Meyer, I believe again, that said this, who's working for you when you're not there, like who's got your back when you can't see and who's working for you when you're not there. CEOs, directors, VPs, whomever's listening to this, you are not there all the time. I hope you have a culture that is in place that everybody's got buy-in. Everybody understands the message, the mission, the vision, the direction, the outcomes, the, that we are moving this direction. So when you're not there, like our, our, our boss typically does not take vacations. And when he does take a vacation, I could be wrong with this, but this is my understanding. He, like, he logs off. Like he's gone for a week. He was like, hey, this is my time with my family, my kids. I'm on the beach. I'm, 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 I'm gone, which is great. But who's working for him when he's not there? 
right? And the culture, we're fortunate. Our culture has been a culture that's been built over 10 years on certain principles that everybody buys into uh, and every and everybody helps build that brand. Uh, so that's worked great for us. Um, but who's working for you when you're not there? That's a great little catchphrase, another coaching phrase from Coach Meyer. So but that, that, that message comes in because I start thinking about that foxhole test. Who's got your back? Who, who can you count on that if you get into a jam? Now, my hope would be that you have a team, that you have a company, that you have a group of people on a project or uh, uh, a number of projects where you're all working together every day that you sit there and say, man, I, I could put four or five people there. Like I would have a couple people to my left and right that I think I can count on, but behind me, protecting me where I can't see things, man, I've got like five, six people like I could put there. Okay. If you get to those, in, those situations, five, six people, or if you're in a situation where you're like, man, I'm not sure I can put anybody there. Okay. That's when you, that's when, I, I guess that's when I would say, if you're listening to this, that you need to call us. <laughs> you need to call, you need to call somebody. You need to always be thinking about your team on how you can change that culture, change that brand, change that message, change that vision. Like I, I'm just, I believe everything starts and ends with with the team, team cohesion. Uh, coaches use the phrase team chemistry, all that. I believe that's where it all starts and having accountability to one another uh, so you can crush it. Um, so listen, it was a 15-minute call, a 15-minute podcast. I'm passionate about it. I really enjoy I can read one phrase in any of my coaching notes and talk for a while about it. Now, granted, you're going to have to keep this in mind when you listen to my podcast. I am a former basketball coach. Most of my stories are going to be sport related. I am truly passionate about teams and how teams can be more dynamic and accomplish more and how we can get out of the cube. To circle back to the beginning, we've got to get out of the cube. We've got to be more involved. We've got to ask more questions. We've got to be uh, improve ourselves more. We've got to get out of our uh, um, comfort zones. We've got to, you know, the improvement lies in the pain, as my dry erase board in my garage says. That's where the improvement lies. So don't stop right when you tow that line and you need to get after it a little bit more, a little bit harder, a little bit more with a little bit more passion. And I, the great thing about coaching is you say it to yourself. So all the things that I say is to try to motivate you, to give you a different way of maybe considering things, a different way to run your teams, a different way to uh, tackle the day. But ultimately, I say it to myself. You know, uh, I need to get out and get out of my comfort zone. I need to do more uh, with the teams that I'm involved with. And uh, I need to be a better teammate myself. So I leave you with those things. Everybody's on a team. What would the team look like if they had my attitude? And who's got your back and who's behind you in the foxhole? So out from the cube, we're going to do two or three of these this week. This is the first one. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Spread the word if you can. That's the one way that we can continue to kind of build this message out, not to steal things from Andy Frisella, who uh, runs a great podcast. Uh, he's also out of St. Louis. Um, he runs one called the MFCEO, uh, but he talks about, hey, the, 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 the cost of listening to this is essentially just sharing it. So um, which I also need to do as well. I'm still a little reluctant to put it out on Twitter, but in, uh, hope the best. Uh, have a great week and you'll hear more from us this week. Take care.